listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to another episode recording this after. Don't worry, the sky isn't falling. Yes, the Lakers lost 113-104 to the Raptors, and people are freaking out out there. But if you would have said before the season started that this team would be 7-2 and two after nine games, you'd be lying if you said you wouldn't take it. Of course, this podcast, a part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your fix. We're on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we are there. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com. We got you covered for everything Lakers, news, stats, opinions, analysis, uh, reporting, you name it, everything is there. Joining me today, friend of the podcast, been on with me a few times, my homie from back in Vancouver. He's an anchor and reporter with Sportsnet 650, Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, what's going on, my man? I feel great, buddy. Thanks uh, for doing this with me again. And I totally thought they were going 81 and 1, so I'm a little bit rattled right now, I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, I think this was a good loss for the Lakers. And the reason why I'm saying that is because, yeah, you, you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's funny to me how people overreact in, in, in the NBA and fans and the, of Major League Baseball and NHL teams where you're like, oh, man, I can't believe, you know, what a bad boy. It's like, dude, they play 82 games. They're going to have some bad nights. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think people should, get the, should take it to such a degree that the sky has fallen. But I think it was a good loss for the Lakers in the sense that it exposed some deficiencies in what they have to work on. Number one, the Lakers coming into this one were one of the bottom, I believe, bottom three teams in terms of uh, transition defense and giving up points. And the Raptors seemed like they had done their homework and, and took advantage of that because they were running the Lakers up and down the court all game. And that's not exactly the Lakers' strong point. Yeah, we definitely saw that, particularly in the fourth quarter late. Uh, Siakam had a big dunk. Chris Boucher was uh, all over the place. And I've actually had to text with uh, some buddies who are Raptor fans, and they know kind of where uh, my blood lies. So I've been kind of getting it from from all angles for the last oh, 20 minutes or so. <laughs> and, my, and my response to all of that has basically been, yeah, the Raptors essentially went out there and beat the Lakers at their own game uh they they made all the hustle plays particularly late and you just saw the effort level from the lakers in this game late in the fourth quarter when they were you know coos hit a couple threes there and anthony davis had an opportunity to cut it to one with a three and i think coos missed on that same possession and the raptors got a couple of runout buckets and it was just kind of a microcosm of the night i just felt that the effort level that Toronto put up, and by the way, and I'm sure you probably did this on uh, on your live show uh, with Trevor, but the Raptors deserve full marks for their effort. They they worked like a championship team in terms of that effort level, in terms of that jam. The Lakers are not going to have that for 82 games. We shouldn't expect them to, but for them to get out worked like that, at least they can go back to the tape now and look at it and say, guys, you know what? We didn't make shots down the stretch. We also got outworked. And that's kind of what they've prided themselves on during the course of the seven-game winning streak because they haven't necessarily hit open jump shots. We know that. But they've allowed the defense and the hustle plays and the effort to carry them when the offense wasn't there. Now tonight, not only were shots not falling late, but those same hustle plays and that effort, that wasn't there. So like you said, it is a good loss because it'll be easy for them to point at that and go, hey, look. We simply got outworked. We can't, you know, just cruise in there and assume that because Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka is out that we can just roll by 20 points. We're not at that level yet, particularly offensively. If we crank the work work ethic level up, uh, we're going to be just fine. So hopefully that's uh, what they will uncover in the next uh, 24 hours here. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, it it was weird because the Lakers, uh, the first five, six minutes of the game, they looked 
awesome defensively. Like they were, they were, they were getting in the getting in the lanes. The help side was there, suffocating. They forced five turnovers in the first six minutes, and then the Raptors only had eight the rest of the way over the last uh, forty-two. So I, I found a drop when the when the bench guys come in, and I've seen that happen now through the first nine games of the year, where as soon as they 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 start, you know, getting the the not you know coups and and um, you know Dwight Howard or, or you know whoever they bring in first. They're not doing too bad. It's when you're getting to the 8, 9, 10 level. Like Troy Daniels looked like uh, he was amazing, on fire to start the game, you know, the first half. He had 11 points and then nothing, absolutely nothing in the second half. And I think that that is going to be something the Lakers will have to work on. And, and, and like you were saying, it was a good loss for the sense that they're looking at this and like, yeah, we can't just come out and sleepwalk through 38 minutes of a game and expect to beat the teams. Now, you can get away with that against a team like Chicago. You're not going to get away with that against a good, deep playoff team like the Raptors are. I don't know if the Raptors will be a championship contender when all is said and done, but they're going to be in the playoffs, and, and you just can't have nights like like this. And then the other thing I was I, I took from this game is, okay, LeBron, 5 for 15 from the field. I thought he was great facilitating and, and, and setting up his teammates' finish with 15 dimes. Obviously, he was doing something right, and we're complaining about a guy who had a triple-double, so just to put in perspective for you how good <laughs> LeBron has been this year, but... He, you know, he was a wrecking ball getting to the hoop. And so, some of those shots, he, the, the times he was kicking it out, he's got to have some guys out there that can cons- consistently hit those shots. Like Danny Green, uh, I think, is, is very good at what he does. He's, he's a damn good NBA player. But you're not going to win many nights when Danny Green, probably your fourth best, fifth best uh, offensive option that you have on the team, finished with zero points. Yeah, no, uh, certainly. And, and I remember opening night when Danny had 28 points and they still lost. We thought, well... Shoot, if Danny's going to give you 28 points, you better be winning by 25. And now tonight, and, and you mentioned LeBron there, Jazz. LeBron has taken it upon himself to distribute the basketball, but he also knows when to take over offensively. And I just didn't see that from LeBron down the stretch in this game. They tried to go to AD a lot. Uh, they were, you know, LeBron was uh, quick to kick things out to Kuzma because I, I think LeBron has reached a point in his career where. Um, he knows that he's got pretty much an all-new roster again. And I feel like the same thing kind of happened in the loss to the Clippers where he was feeling things out, where he was trying things out. Okay, we're facing a playoff battle-tested team with some tough veterans and guys who can play and bring that effort and bring that jam. I want to see what we can do in this situation against a team like this. I want to see how our group handles this situation. LeBron is so damn good that he can pick his spots and try to set guys up into positions so they can come up big. And I just felt that I think they needed on this particular night, LeBron to try to force the issue a little bit with his own shot. I think they needed him to create a little bit more offensively to, you know, get himself going uh, to the basket. I think he deferred to his teammates a little too much. And I think that cost him a little bit down the stretch. I would have rather lived and die with LeBron going to the basket is what I'm trying to say. But I also think that's well, you could have said that you could have said that in ten words instead of a hundred. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I like to I like to pontificate for a few minutes. You know me, but I, I think I think that's a testament to how good he is. And I just want I just wonder what it's going to be like because we, hey, we saw it against Dallas, right? He had some yeah. big shots. They win the game. I expected to see that tonight, and I didn't, and that was a disappointment. Yeah, and 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 it's okay, and, and I'm looking at it like yeah. It's all right. I mean, you know, LeBron, I saw some people on Twitter saying he didn't put an effort in. He's 34 years old. He's, he's been playing dominant all season, probably the early front runner for MVP. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to have an off night. And that's why they had Anthony Davis, who was, who was pretty damn good, 10 of 20 from the field, 
uh, 27 points, four block shots, eight rebounds, three assists. I can go down. I mean, he, he was he was kind of a difference maker in all facets of the game. But you look at you look at the box score, and I think this always gives it away for me too. I know a lot of people don't like the plus minus stat, but to me, it shows a lot. It's like okay, the Lakers starters for the most part, uh, you know, cl- close to the a plus range and minus three, minus six if each for Anthony Davis and LeBron. Then you got Kuz out there; he was a minus twelve in the, in the twenty-four minutes he played. Dwight Howard, everybody that came off the bench was a minus player. So, um, and and you mentioned you know kind of the the effort level and 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 you're looking at this team. It's like you you need guys to step, and this is why I think. Kyle Kuzma is so important to this squad. Like as soon as Boogie went down with that injury, I knew at that point, I'm like, look, man, like this is Kyle Kuzma's team off the bench in terms of as the sixth man. He has to come out here and and assert himself. And I'm going to give him a break. And, and, and I've said this before, too, that, OK, if we get to the end of November and he's still as wildly inconsistent as he's been so far, OK, then we have a problem right now. He's shaking off the rust. He basically missed two months. He, he wasn't, you know, getting full training camp in, uh, getting to get the the workout in with Team USA because he got hurt there. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But a lot of people saying, oh, you know, he made he made a lot of mistakes today. I don't think he's making things that are mi- mistakes that are not correctable. Because for me, it's like he's forcing some of his shots. And I saw that against Chicago, like in the fourth quarter where he started to play well and his 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 shots started to go down. He was able to get to the rim. He was get, getting some uh, easy layups, some contested layups. And then that was opening up his outside shot. Whereas today, it's like he's getting the ball three feet behind the three-point line, uh, questioning himself for a second, and then shooting it. So I think his decision-making needs to be better. But I don't, I don't, I don't anticipate this being the Kyle Kuzma for the rest of the season. What, what do you think about him so far since he's came back? Well, I think with Kuz, I'm not sure that he's comfortable in his own skin right now out there with those guys, because I know the the joke on Twitter is always bleep them kids. They're off in, in New Orleans now. But guess what? Kuzma's the guy that stayed. And now Kuzma's here and he's playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Danny Green, who's got two championships uh, on his resume as well. Not only is he trying to find how he fits into this team, even though it's plainly obvious and we can draw that up for him as much as we want. He's got to find a way to get comfortable out there, not just in the offense, but also within his body. Like you said, he basically missed two months. He missed all the training camp. He didn't really get any practice time. He hasn't had a chance to get comfortable, not just with the, you know, with, with himself and getting him back to shape, but also with this group. It's a brand new group, you know, his buddies, uh, you know, Alonzo and B.I., they're not there anymore. So that's, that's kind of a sea change for him, too. And I don't know that that's necessarily been discussed enough because, you know, if you're a part of that group and you're winning 35 games a year, and it's like, well, we won. It was a moral victory, and that was great. La, la, la. Well, guess what? It's it's full-on championship stuff now. I know LeBron was biding his time a year ago, but it's championship or bust now. AD's here. Bron's here. Danny Green's here. Kuz has to find out how he fits in with this group. Once he does, he'll be fine, and he'll get his legs under him. I'm assuming that will happen before the end of November. And if it doesn't, then we have a problem. But I think with Kuz, we just give him a couple more weeks. He'll be just fine. I'm not freaking out at him yet. Not yet. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the same boat as you, man. I don't I don't think there's a point in 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 you know looking at it and saying, oh, you know, he sucks, he stinks. It's it's like no, he's still gonna find his legs. Like if you didn't go to work for whatever job you do for you know a couple of months and had to get back into it, you'd probably be sleepy and your productivity would be pretty low as well. These guys are human beings too, so we have to have a little bit of uh, a lo- a little bit of awareness about that as well. Like and, and here, let's jump into this too, Marcus. I want to talk about this. Uh, a concern for me too is with this Lakers team, they don't have a consistent guy that you can rely on to come off the bench to that's going to give you scoring. And and it's like okay, Kuzma, 
scored 15 tonight, 6 of 13 shooting. I think you'll see him score maybe between 15 and 16, 15, 18 points a game. When all said and done at the end of the year, that'll be his average. But who do they have after that? If Danny Green isn't hitting his shot, uh, Avery Bradley, more of a, of a mid-range guy, not, not, never been known to be an offensive juggernaut by any means. Uh, Quinn Cook was bought in to get some scoring. I think he's been all right. I don't think he's been great. Troy Daniels, other than this game and the Utah game, has sucked. Let's just call it spade a spade. He hasn't been very good. He yeah. was shooting 27% from the three-point line bringing in, uh, coming into this game. And he called himself the best shooter on the team. No, Troy Daniels, you got to be better than that. Okay, let's let, let's get that out there too. <laughs> so when I'm looking at the squad, like, uh, I, and and uh, you got Rondo coming back now, and again, I don't know would he really help. So to me, this the 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 depth of this team, it's going to be fine to get through games like San Antonio and and uh, Dallas, where we're good, not great teams. You know, might be in a playoff spot, might not, but. Um, I, when you're playing against really good teams, and we saw this against the Clippers, like they had Montrez Harrell coming off the bench. They have Lou Williams coming off the bench. Jermichael Green can hit some shots. So they have these guys coming off the bench. I don't see that for the Lakers. So I don't think, again, I don't think it's going to be an issue overall if they don't address it in terms of it's going to kill their season. I still think it's a 55-win team as, as constructed. But in a playoff series against a deep team like a Denver, like a Utah, like a Clippers, it might show itself then. Well, I mean, every every playoff series has a game that we name it after some random guy, right? Like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, the Andre Iguodala game or the Sean Livingston game. Guys who are, you know, good veterans who can give you big buckets. And you're right, this Laker team can still win 53-55 games. They're clearly capable of that, and their defense is going to help them do it. But do they have a professional scorer who can come in off the bench? You mentioned Lou Williams with the Clippers. I think of Jamal Crawford. Now, I'm not saying Jamal Crawford is the answer there. 48-year-old Jamal Crawford? Is that what you're going with right now? No, I'm not saying that's the answer. What I'm saying is the Lakers need a guy who can do that. You can just give them the ball and say, hey, go create. Give us a bucket. And we are all hoping that Kyle Kuzma can get there. And I bet he can. He just has to find his body. We'll give him a couple of weeks. But you're right. As the season goes along, guys are going to get shut down. LeBron's going to be a bit tired. AD's going to be a bit banged up facing double teams. You need a guy to keep defenses honest. And, I mean, you don't want Danny Green putting the ball on the floor ever, pretty no. much. You just want him shooting open threes. So I don't know if there's a professional score out there that the Lakers can just find on the buyout market. So if there is an issue with this team, that's going to be it. I will say, though, I, I, you were very direct with Troy Daniels. I was. I wanted to work this line into the podcast. If we could just push Troy Daniels out to sea, that would be great. I mean, he hit, <laughs> he hit three out of five from three, and I was actually stunned when that happened. And even Avery Bradley from the mid-range today wasn't bad. Uh, but you're right. There's The problem with the Laker roster is uh, there's too many guys who are flat-out specialists. And unfortunately, the specialties of those guys, none of them, you would look at them and go, hey, professional score. That's going to dog them. I don't know where you find that. And hopefully, 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 Kyle Kuzma can grow into that role. Otherwise, there might be some trouble come April and May. Yeah, and see, that's a, and, and here's the thing I want to I want to relay to to people who are listening. We're not acting like the sky is falling. Okay, they're seven and no. two. We're saying we want the Lakers to to reach their their ceiling and and even break through it if they can. That's a that's a good little cheesy metaphor there. But you know, break through the uh, break through the ceiling, the glass ceiling. <laughs> we'll say that that that's there for them. But we wanted to reach their potential, and we're starting to look at this. And I'm not. You're not looking at this. Uh, like the way you looked at the team last year. You're not looking at this and saying, oh, you know, can they get, you know, 47, 48 wins and sneak into the playoffs and, and maybe do some damage? It's like, no, 
The expectation now is a championship, and and we're trying to look at this, and we're going to judge this team night in and night out based off if they look the part of a championship team. Have they have they through the first? Uh, did they through the first eight games? Yeah, for the most part, you take away that that opening night loss to the Clippers, they've looked pretty good. Not great. They haven't looked great by any means. They're they're mainly playing you know half a game, twenty four minutes, and got away with it because they were playing teams that weren't as talented as them. And when you play a team like the Raptors, mind you, minus Kyle Lowry, minus uh, Serge Ibaka, and, and the Raptors played absolutely lights out, but they're a playoff team, and now these deficiencies are going to start to show. And I think that's where that's where I'm looking at this from. So I know some people sometimes like, don't don't act like the sky is falling. I'm not. I think they're off to a great start. I'm looking at how they can improve. I uh, want to jump into a couple of other things, Marcus. We'll do this after a short break. All right, and we are back. If uh, you don't know, Raptors ended up losing, or ended up beating, pardon me, the Lakers 113 104. Another thing about the start to the season, Marcus, we were touching on on Kyle Kuzma and and kind of what the expectation is for him just before the break. There, when you look at when you look at Kuzma, and it was interesting because one of the guys I used to play college ball with back home, his name's Clark McPherson. Uh, we used to call him Shark, right? That's what he used to call him. But uh, he's like the whitest guy in the world. That's why and he used to chew tobacco uh, in between uh, on our road trips and stuff on our bus on the bus rides. But uh, he asked me this in 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 the uh, in the summertime when I was doing a podcast with ESPN's Kevin Arnovitz, and he said, "Is there like when you?" And he he was taking the the look of, "Hey, you know what, Kuzma isn't a good fit for this roster, and they need to find somebody who can create his own shot and be more of a." of a guy who, who you were mentioned who can score more and, and score more reliably and be able to set other guys up. Um, and he said, you know, Kuzma could be a trade chip. Uh, it's going to be tough to try and get a star back because of Kuzma's um, salary being so low. And he's, I think he's a $1.9 million cap hit. So you're not going to get many guys coming in at that. But is, is there a move or, or something that you think the Lakers could make other than bringing in Andre Iguodala? And we'll touch on him too in a bit. But is there somebody else you think that they can look at off the top of your head that might be able to solve that issue? Oh Lord! Off the top of my head, that's that's a tough one because you know here's here's the funny thing they get off to such a great start and now they lose one game and now here we are we're looking at the roster like okay <laughs> who could come in and help these guys because it's all look we're all on autopilot right now we know that Andre Iguodala can solve an awful lot of things uh, with this Laker team and not that they have a ton of deficiencies but you know Andre Iguodala can absolutely be the guy to 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 bring. Uh, the Lakers, what it is they're looking for, at least defensively on the perimeter, certainly for stretches, and even offensively, you can still hit some big shots. But I mean, that's 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 a tough one, and and that that Kuzma thing with his contract as well, his value is is so solid that you know why would you entertain that for right now? Like you said, like one point nine million, and even then, you're not getting uh, the same money to come back. So. Ah, you know what? That's 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 a tough one. I, I'm sure I'm going to think of someone like on Wednesday or Thursday, and then I'll mm. just I'll blow your phone up with that. But I'm trying to figure out, you know, who would be that guy? There's got to be somebody in the league who's who's unhappy with his current situation, and 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 you know it could get a bit messy. But I, I'm just so autopiloted to say Andre Iguodala, and I'm trying to think of that next guy. And and we're so honed in on Iggy that I I don't I don't know that there's another one out there to be honest with you. That's a great question. No, because I mean to, to me you're gonna have to look at the buyout market. You're gonna have to look at someone cheap eventually, or or a, or a team trying to you know get an asset for a guy who's gonna walk at some point. Like a, like even a guy like C.J. Miles I think would help. You know what I mean? He's not great, ah, but he's a guy yeah. who can hit. He can hit some threes for you, and he has the capability. He might score twenty points for you off the bench. You know what? I just don't see that from the from the guys and. I, I think he's a player, but he's his defensive rating is 
He was he was at 99, close to it at the end of previous season this year he's about there as well so uh, you know I like what he brings and he needs some of those guys but again I mean now you're gonna have Rondo come come back and and Frank Vogel said that after the game that Rondo is pretty close to returning he, he might have played today originally but uh, uh, he's going to be coming back uh, it looks like maybe Tuesday against Phoenix if not might, might even be Wednesday against Golden State whose minutes do you think Rondo takes if anyone's well, uh, if he takes Caruso's minutes, Twitter will riot. Uh, yes. We know that. <laughs> yes. I, yes. I, I would imagine that uh, Troy Daniels gets bumped down the rotation. And I know that Rajon Rondo is not a knockdown three-point shooter. And quite frankly, the only reason, the only good thing that Rondo would do, the only good thing was, was to essentially just allow LeBron to play off the ball a little bit more. Uh, I think that eases the play. The, and, and you know what? No, I, I should, I should walk that back. I don't even want to say playmaking burden on LeBron because I don't know that Rondo can necessarily do that either. He's basically out there to handle the ball. So LeBron doesn't have to, that's, that's really the only reason. Like, like I'm trying to figure this out. Like Rondo gets roasted on Lakers Twitter and it's justified. He's not, he's not a knockdown shooter. He's not a score. He's not going to create for you. So Rondo, quite frankly, is just another body in a long list of bodies where you're trying to figure out what it is exactly that he does the best. Now, he is a good communicator defensively. He did work well with Anthony Davis when they were in New Orleans. So on that goodwill alone, you can give Rondo a few minutes. But aside from easing the ball handling duties on LeBron James, I'm not sure what it is he brings to the table. And you know he's going to cut into Crusoe's minutes. You just know because he's a veteran and coaches trust veterans. And then we'll all get upset on Twitter. And then we'll have something to talk about for three weeks. So good for you guys, certainly good for you guys. But I just don't know what it is that Rondo's going to bring to the table. He might have one game where he scores 15 and has nine assists and you get excited about it for like eight hours. But I, I just don't know what to expect from Rondo and how he's actually going to help this team. Aside from saying to LeBron, hey, let me bring the ball up this time. Well, I think he, he he brings something to the table in terms of being a good facilitator for the second for the second unit, right? The bench guys, and that's something they lack right now. You almost have to have LeBron uh, out there, you know, thirty five minutes a night, which is about what he's been averaging this season, and 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 trying, you know, figure out the last thirteen. Where so I think that when you're going to have somebody out there who can facilitate the offense, run things. Uh, making sure that guys are where they're supposed to be, but he's a he's a turnstile defensively. You know what I mean? He's terrible. Yeah. He's I, I don't I don't know if I'm a better defender than him. Obviously, I'm not. I'm kidding. I can barely move laterally. I'm just joking about that. But um, when you look at when I look at it, I agree with you. I think Troy Daniels gets bumped because if you're going to have one good game out of every five, and and a good game for him is hitting some three point shots, you got to have somebody else out there. And another key thing to notice the, about today too, KCP played four minutes in the first half, went zero for two. Uh, 0 for 1 from the three-point line, zero points, one rebound, no assists, no steals, no blocks, uh, nothing of value, which pretty much all sums up KCP times, uh, KCP's time with the Lakers, but uh, <laughs> never got never got back on the court in, in, the, in the second half. So Frank Vogel, good to see him making some uh, decisions to, to alter things with his rotation. And, and I think the Lakers almost like they have this weird depth where they can play 11 guys. But you just don't know who's going to bring it each time. And I think that that is where the, the problem lies with this team. It's like those guys are also interchangeable that nobody really stands out uh, head and shoulders above the rest other than maybe Kuz and Dwight Howard's been pretty damn good so far this season too. Yeah, you've got two and a half, maybe three guys on the team where you know what you're getting. LeBron's going to be LeBron. AD's going to be AD. Danny Green's going to be a good defender. Hopefully it's a couple threes. I know he didn't do that uh, against the Raptors, but you kind of know what you're getting. 
Dwight in his limited minutes. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get at this point. I'm interested to see, though, how Dwight's mindset and his demeanor is going to change if the Lakers hit a bit of a rough patch because it's easy to lead all the cheers on the bench and fire up the crowd and, and, and do all that stuff when you're blocking shots and you're winning games. I'm actually curious what the Dwight experience is going to be like if things start to get sour, if JaVale continues to do JaVale McGee things and people start calling for Dwight to get more minutes. That's the most interesting thing uh, with Dwight Howard. But I mean, you're right. If you bring in Rondo, that's yet another guy where it's like, well, okay, what are you going to get from him? What are you going to get? So there's Dwight, there's Rondo, and there's a bunch of guys where we're still trying to see what it is they put on the table. And that's amazing because this team is seven and two jazz. If they yeah. just leave, if they just lean on things defensively and they keep that effort level up, which they did not have against the Raptors, they should be just fine. And that's what makes this all so fascinating because you've got two guys and you got a bunch of guys where it's like, well, okay, they might bring us X, but they might not. And it's still going to make them very successful. It, it, it really is a fascinating formula, and Rob Palenka should probably get some credit, but it's also amazing that it's actually worked. And when you look at this team's schedule, of their next 10 games, seven or eight of them are winnable. So they could absolutely turn this around, and they could be 15-4 and four in a couple of weeks, and, and we could be having the same discussion. It, it really is a fascinating group when you break it all down. Yeah, it is, and it's it's funny you say that because you look at you look at this team, and I and I've said this from the start. I said, you know, there there's a realistic chance that at the twenty game mark, the Lakers are going to be sitting at something like seventeen and three, sixteen and four. They got a real favorable schedule coming up. I mean, mind you, that Phoenix game we we're looking at early in the season, like this is or before the season part of me that yeah, they're going to smoke the Suns. You know what I mean? That should be an easy mm-hmm. win. That's not that's not the case now. I mean, Devin Booker and those boys are playing playing fantastic right now. You know what I mean? They had one hundred thirty eight. Uh, 138, 112 win today over the uh, Brooklyn Nets. So, I mean, they're, they're yeah. putting up points too, and that's all without DeAndre Ayton. But you look at the schedule after that, you got the Warriors, come, the defending Western Conference champions, Warriors coming <laughs> to town on, on Wednesday, uh, crappy Sacramento team on Friday, an up and down Atlanta team, uh, OKC for a uh, back to back after that, and then they got Memphis. So, it's like they, these are a lot of win- winnable games coming up here down the stretch for, for the stretch of the month for, into, into December. But, um, so I don't want to act like the sky's falling. And, I, and I've said that from the start, that people might listen to this and say, oh, you know, look at these guys. It's like, no, no, we're not. We're saying that this, this is still going to be a championship contender as is. But in order to reach its ceiling, they need to get some more support. Because if LeBron or AD has an off night like LeBron did today, especially offensively, and I'm not talking about off night in terms of doing what he's doing, running the show, but getting the ball into the hoop, they need guys to be able to step up. And like you mentioned, they have all these guys on the bench. They're all kind of, like I said, they're all kind of interchangeable. Nobody really stands out except for, I think, when Kuzma gets to full strength, he, he is going to be your bona fide third best player. And then you got a lot of, yeah, okay, I, one of these guys needs to step up. But I think one of those guys has to do it consistently in order for this team to round out and be able to say, all right, you know what, we're the big dogs in the, in the NBA and, and the title run has to come through us. Well, that's that's the issue with a top-heavy team, isn't it? Because LeBron and AD can 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 struggle at times, and, and they can also have big nights. But you still need to have guys that, you know, uh, come to work. Um, and and again, they were just flat out outworked by the Raptors without Kyle Lowry, without Serge Ibaka. Now, uh, I was watching on TSN here in Canada. I don't know that Billy Mack or Stu mentioned this on the uh, Time Warner broadcast, but. Um, Chris Boucher is the reigning G League MVP, and he's also the reigning uh, G League Defensive Player of the Year. And I actually saw Chris Boucher play for Team Canada two years ago in Vancouver. It was like an exhibition game against China. R.J. Barrett was here, and this is right before he headed off to Duke, so he was getting all the headlines. But I was watching Chris Boucher play in this game, 
everything he did in that game, he did at Staples Center against the Lakers. So none of that was surprising. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it, yeah. Just, it, it just came down to to effort level. And I think what the Lakers learned is, yes, they are very top heavy, but there's a lot of talent at the top. However, they are not a talented enough ball club to just think they can turn the switch on, especially when they're playing good teams, because they had stretches like that in the loss to the Clippers. It was a lot of the same thing. They can turn the switch against bad teams, but they can't do that quite yet against, you know, clubs that are, are viewed as as contenders because they are so top heavy. Two guys can't do it all the time. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's where the I've been I've been looking at it like that, too, is is you mentioned a guy like Chris Boucher, you know, like, OK, the, the, that's what I mean. Like they, they need to find some guys like that. I and mean, it's not it's easier said than done. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Rob Planka screwed it up. No, the team is still damn good as it is. It's just. I, I don't like their depth when it comes to when you get to about 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 on your bench. Those last five spots to me is is where the Lakers really, really need to, to look at improving. And we've touched on it. I'm sure we're going to keep talking about it until something comes to a head in, in Memphis. Is Andre Iguodala is the guy to mask these deficiencies. He gives you a wing defender. He's a guy who's going to come in and be able to lock down the other team's best player so you don't have Contavious Caldwell-Pope guarding uh, Kawhi Leonard. And you saw that with, uh, with Kuz today, too. Like... Pascal Siakam was just like, yeah, dude, come set a screen on me. If they switch, I'm going to, I'm going to start rolling on, uh, I'm going to start going to town on, on Kuzma. And he did, he feasted on him while, while, while yeah. Kuzma switched on him. And, and you look at that and it's like, okay, yeah, the Lakers need to. And that was something else I, I found interesting with Frank Vogel. A lot in the beginning, the first six, seven games of the season, the Lakers weren't switching screens at all. They were just kind of going through and, and, uh, and, and trying to fight through the screen and saying, all right, you got to, it's your job to recover. We're not going to do a full switch. Well, it's basically a hedge and hedge and recover. And now they're starting to switch and they got kind of got killed on that today. So what do you think of Vogel's performance so far? Nine games in. Well, I mean, uh, seven and two tough to argue with that. Um, now granted, he does have a pretty good guy out there running his offense, but Frank is also a defensive coach. And compared to what we've seen from Luke Walton over the last couple of years, it, appears uh, quite uh, fun when you're watching a team that has a real NBA coach that knows how to manage rotations, that knows how to, you know, put guys in in the correct spots. I'm not even sure Luke Walton knew what the hell he was doing the last two or three years is what I'm trying to say. So when you compare Frank Vogel to what we had to watch over the last three years of Luke, I would say Frank Vogel is doing a hell of a job and he certainly doesn't have to worry about Jason Kidd, at least for right now. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't have that guy looking over his uh, his shoulder at this point, right? No. <laughs> um, okay, I'll get you. I'll get you out of here on this, Marcus. If you're if you're looking at the Lakers and and obviously you know being in the Canadian market and you, and you host a show on on Sportsnet 650, the, basically the basketball hour, so it's focused on on the NBA. What are what are some other people saying about the Lakers outside the market? Are they looking at this like, oh damn, this this team is legit? Oh, absolutely. No, there's there's definitely chatter up here about the Lakers and how good they are. And there's lots of Laker fans up here, too. Don't uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's certainly a West Coast thing. People are excited about the team again. Um, there's a vibe about the Lakers that we haven't seen since really before Kobe's uh, Achilles tendon blew up. So, no, people are definitely fired up about the Lakers. They know these guys are good. They expect them to be good. And that's uh, a lot different than what we've seen over the last five years. So the buzz is not just in California. It's here too. It's everywhere. That's right. You know what? I think the Lakers being good is awesome for the NBA. It's awesome for basketball because when the Lakers are good, the NBA is fun. So, uh, you know what? I'd love having you on with me, man. I wish we can go a little bit longer, but uh, I'm sure I'll have you on again at some point soon. Always fun, buddy. Thanks for doing this. All right. That's Marcus Fitzgerald. He is a Sportsnet 650 anchor and reporter. You can catch him on Twitter at Marcus Fitzy. Don't forget to follow us as well. We are at Lakers SBN.
always tweeting out funny stuff during the games, after the games. Harrison and crew do a great job of that. And, of course, subscribe to our podcast network. You can leave us a rating. Hopefully it's five stars. If it isn't, hey, that's totally cool too. But we'll take a look at your questions and, and try and answer them as well. So go ahead and subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast network. And, of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. All right, I'll check you all out next time.